Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 6. Luke 6. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. And Luke is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. The first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When we say Gospels, those are the Gospels. Those are the, they're really the eyewitness accounts of Jesus and his ministry. Luke was the only one that was not Jewish that wrote an account. He was a physician, Gentile physician that became a Jesus follower. And so he personally talked and had conversations with people that were eyewitnesses. He traveled with Paul and in the book of Acts, you know, he wrote the book of Acts as well. So, you know, he, because he was a physician, his stuff is like incredibly detailed in the gospel of Luke. So in Luke 6, he, re he recorded this, this uh, message that Jesus had. 6 verse 46 says this, Jesus is talking, he says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. So he's, he's revealing right here, Jesus is revealing what, what it's like when somebody comes to him, listens to what he says, and then does it. Comes to him, you know, listens to what he says, and then does it, follows him. So, so he said, this is what it's like. He said, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When, everybody say when. It doesn't say if, it says when. So it's going to tell us that, something's, that none of us are exempt from what's getting ready to happen. It doesn't say, well, if this happens to you, but when it happens to you. So this, this comes, applies to all of us. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So Jesus said, he said, look, th this is what it's like when somebody follows him. In other words, you begin to hear about Jesus. You begin to come and hear what the word says. You, you read it, but then you begin to apply it. He said, then when hard times come. Now, I think part of the mistake that people make sometimes they give their lives to Jesus, is that, and the church probably, sometimes because we don't talk about this part of it enough, have been responsible, and that is, is that there's a deception out there that people think that if they're doing what they're supposed to do, if they're following Jesus and living for God, that they'll never go through hardship or never have hard places that they go through. And that's just not true. And anybody that's walked with Jesus for a while will say amen. Amen, right? Yeah, I mean, none of us are exempt. It's not if they come, it's when they come. When they come, that all of us in here have, are, have, have been through hard places, we have hardship yet to come, and, and that type of thing. And, and I think one of the things that happens, because I think it's instinctive in us as parents, is that this constant battle and tension of how much of this do we let our kids experience. Like, I don't like to see my kids hurt, especially when they were little. I don't want to see them go through hard places. Even if it's self-inflicted, I, I don't want them to have to go through that. And so there was always this tension in me, always this conflict of, do I rescue them? Do I help them? Do I, do I keep this from happening? Or do I just let them, do I just let them kind of go through this alone and, and experience the pain that comes with these decisions and with these choices? Man, it's such a difficult, and I don't think I was the only one that experienced that. I'm sure there are other parents out there that that's kind of the tension in you sometimes. And it doesn't end just because they leave our house. That even as parents sometimes, if we have the resources, the means sometimes to help them in a situation that, you know, that we're like, we don't want to be enablers, and yet we don't want them to feel abandoned by us. 
right? I mean, we, we don't want them to have that experience. And so part of the thing that happens is I think so many times with good intentions that we've just, we've, we've surrounded our kids and covered them and kept them from experiencing any disappointment whatsoever. Everybody wins a trophy. Everybody gets a prize. Everybody has the same. And, and again, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, don't want to say I'm making light of it, but I understand the intention on that. It's, it's well-meaning. It's, it's well-intended. But I think sometimes we handicap our kids because in reality, life isn't that way. I used to say to my kids, I'd say, you can either learn from me or learn from life. And here's the difference. I care who you are. Life doesn't give a hoot. And so we have to do that. And so I think one of the things, if we're going to prepare our kids on how to go through hard times, they have to know that all of us experience hard times and difficulties. All of us do that. You know, I, I know that uh, when our kids were, were little, that, you know, they liked to go with me every place and stuff like that. And then as they got older, it became a little bit more, they had more options. I wasn't as fun. They, you know, they were deceived into thinking I wasn't as cool as I knew I was and all that kind of stuff. And so, so sometimes I'd be like, hey, you guys want to go? And they'd be like, eh, no, I don't want to. Well, then what began to happen is sometimes maybe one of them would say, look, I'll go with you. And I'm like, okay. So they would come back and they would have something. The other two would go, well, where's my so-and-so? I'm like, oh, it's at the store. <laughs> you didn't give me anything? No. Why not? Because you didn't go with me. Hers was at the store too, or his was at the store too, or his was at the store too, and, and they got it. That's why they're back with it. And you're saying, you're trying to get me to go with you. You're smarter than you look. Yes, I was. That's exactly what I was doing. Now, I, I will tell you this much, like a month ago or something like that, uh, we were doing something, and we're blessed, man. We have eight grandkids, and we have a ninth on the way. We're excited about that. And so, yeah, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. So, and man, there's... I love being with them all. And one day we were around Jake and Ashley's kids, and I, I had to go do something. And uh, I'm trying to remember how, how it worked out, but it was me and Tina and two of, two of them. And so we, I, I said the first service of Sonic, but it wasn't Sonic, it was Quick Trip. And so, um, so they wanted something. So I went in and, and helped them. You know, I think I let them pick out something or whatever. And Tina was like, now you be sure and get something. We're going to go. We're going to drop them off at the house. And the other two kids are going to be there. You got to make sure you have them. I'm like, no. She's like, you're getting those other kids something. And I'm like, they didn't come with us. You know the rules. You know how it is. That, my, my, my kids, even though they're adults, they know the rules. Those two kids did not want to go with us, so they don't get jack. And so, <laughs> can I get an amen from all the grandparents here? So, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. So, <laughs> so uh, she stayed in the car when I got back out. I didn't say anything. And so uh, I handed it to the two kids that were with us. And she goes, hey, you're going to get to the other kids. There's a, they didn't get anything. She goes, I cannot believe that you did not get the other two. I'm like, you know the rules. So they don't come. They don't get anything. We're going to go back to the store and get something right now. And I'm like, finally, you know, I, I want her to realize that, you know, I may be a man of principle, but also I'm a man of comfort. And I was going to drop them off, but I'm living with her. So I knew. <laughs> so, so, I, <laughs> so I'd really got the kids something. I'm saying, they're not learning a thing by me giving them their participation trophy for just being in the house, you know, so. So we got so, but anyway, you know, as parents, a lot of times, man, that's the challenge, right? Is like, when do we when do we let them face, you know, the consequences or blessings of their own decisions? 
You know, and, and again, I'm not saying that there's, there's a, it's always this way or you always do that. I mean, I think the Holy Spirit will help you in making those decisions. But on the other hand, I, I know this. Somebody said this. They said, you don't spoil kids by getting them stuff. You spoil kids by always giving them their way. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. I, I heard this one doctor one time. He, was, he, was, he, uh, he specialized in the development of children's brains. And they said, what can we as parents do to help our kids brains develop in a healthy way and he said two things he said one is he said routine is really good for them routine is good for a kid but he said the second thing and i and it just it just resonated with me he said them having boundaries is incredibly important for them to have a healthy brain i thought okay well i've heard that but then he said why he said the ability to tell yourself no creates tremendous self-confidence I mean, I think about it in my own life. You know, most of the time, the times when I've experienced shame is when I didn't tell myself no. When I knew that what I was going to do was not okay, and I did it anyway. That overstepping that boundary that, that, was, that God has placed there created regret and shame sometimes in my own life. And so our kids need to understand, man, that all of us, all of us have go through trials. All of us go through hard places and and hardship and we have to understand that 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 none of us are exempt from that and you know sometimes when they're little you know there may be things that we're going through and and again we have to be we have to use wisdom in this but i remember sometimes when our kids were younger that that we would talk to them like hey this is the decision we're we're wrestling with this is the thing we're talking about we might pray about it or let them ask questions and and that kind of thing but it was just one of those things that was always you, you just, you, we want to do that. We do our kids no favor in making them feel like that they never, they're never told no, that they never have, they never are disappointed or anything like that. And the minute they leave their house, they encounter people that don't care who they are, or they encounter a world that's broken and fallen. And then all of a sudden, they feel like God has let them down. And so we have this responsibility, this obligation. If we want to help our kids navigate through hardship, through hard places, if we want to help them, you know, um, if we want to help them know how to go through hard times, the very first place they got to go is it's such a basic thing, but we have to help them understand that we all go through hard times. We all do. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's self-inflicted and we can avoid those, but other times, man, it's somebody else's decision, somebody else's selfishness, somebody else's brokenness. Sometimes it's just life. There's no explanation for it whatsoever. When I first got out of Bible school, I had an answer for everybody. And I look back on it now, I wish I had their number. I'd call them and say, hey, man, I was really dumb back then. I'm just a little dumb now, but I was really dumb then. <laughs> so sorry. And we have, you know, Romans 5 says this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. And again, that's not my first response. Is it yours? Man, I'm just rejoicing. Why? What happened? You get a raise? No. Did you get a new vehicle? No. How about your house? No. Why are you rejoicing? Life's just really hard right now. I, that's not my response. But he said, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. There are some things... The reason why God doesn't, you know, protect us from hardship is because there's just some things that can only take place in our life going through difficult times. 
only in difficult times, only in difficult places, are there certain things that we can learn. With, without those, that we may never learn those things. We have, we have to go through some things in order to grow, in order to develop those things, to see those things take place and come to pass in our life. And so we as parents, one of the great struggles that all of us have is when do I let them experience that and when do I protect them from it? And sometimes we do protect them. And sometimes, you know, and often if it's either as a result of their decision or choices, we, you know, we endeavor to, you know, to let them experience at least some of the pain themselves. When does that happen? How does that happen? So number one is this, is that we all go through hard times. Let's keep, let's, let's stay there in Luke 6, where he says, so he, he said again, he said, when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't, everybody say doesn't. And doesn't obey is like a person who, who builds a house on the right ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Here's the second thing, is that we have to teach them, first of all, that everybody goes through it. But here's the second thing, is that when you're in the middle of that stuff, keep doing what God says. Like if we were to read this, if I were to say, why did the one guy's house fall? Some people would go, well, because the storm was so treacherous. That wasn't it. They were both going through treacherous storms. Neither one of them were exempt from that. They were both in that hard place. They both experienced that. It didn't say if the floodwaters rise, but when they rise and they break upon that house. Well, then why did the house fall if it wasn't because of the storm? It's because they quit doing what Jesus said. Now, here's the truth, man. As I say, they quit doing Some people maybe went into that storm and were never doing what Jesus said to begin with. And that's not a, I'm not condemning you or whatever. It's just, just a reality, right? That sometimes those are the situations. I wasn't doing what he said to begin with, and I'm, I'm here now. But here's the other thing. Sometimes I'm doing what he says, and all of a sudden the storm hits, and I let discouragement or disappointment cause me to step away. And so I pull back and quit doing what Jesus has told me to do. And in that moment, when the storm comes, that my house or that area of my life collapses and crashes because I stopped doing what I knew I was supposed to do. When the storm comes. When the storm, it's just, it's just such a, I mean, you know, I think, I don't think any of us are exempt from that pressure and life, you know, I mean, I realize this now, you know, life is short, but, you know, one of the great paradoxes is that life is short, but it's also long. And so, man, there's just so many seasons we go through, so many things. I wish I could tell you that in every storm I went through that I always did what I was supposed to, but that just wouldn't be an honest statement. There are times that I was doing what I was supposed to, and I went into the storm, and I got discouraged, disappointed, frustrated, and just kind of quit doing it, that my attitude be impacted, began to be disappointed in God, or sometimes even angry at him. And I know it's dumb, but I mean, is it okay if I just be honest? I mean, I've been in that place before. I, I know in a room like this, some of you are going through a storm right now, and, and you've pulled back. You're like, are you speaking to anybody specifically? No, I, I don't have anybody in my mind or anything like that. I just, I just know people. I know, I know us. And the temptation is to quit doing what you know is right. The devil will come along and say, well, what does it matter anyway? What does it matter anyway? You know, look, you know, you were doing what you're supposed to be doing, and now look at everything around you. What does it matter? And Jesus said that when those storms come, the thing that will determine whether or not your life still stands is in the middle of that storm, did you keep 
doing, endeavoring to do what he says to do. And with our kids, when they, we're getting them ready, especially if they're still at home, we're getting them ready as they leave our house to know that, hey, everybody has hard times. Everybody goes through hard places. But as you know that when you're there, when you're, when you're going through those moments, those seasons, keep looking to the word, to what God would have you do. And, you know, the mistake we make is we say, hold on to the word. But, man, sometimes I've been so weary, I can't hold on anymore. But you know what you can do? You can let it wrap itself around you, and you're not holding on to it. It's holding on to you. And so in those hard places, we hold on to the word. We we hold on to his presence. We lean in. We push back against the disappointment. We push back against, you know, where that part of our heart was broken at. We push back against, you know, that thing which it feels like God didn't come through. We push back on that place and we keep doing the word. We keep doing what Jesus has told us to do, what he speaks to us to do as he takes us through that place. And we keep doing what God says. It's hard places, hardship happens to everybody. Because I know that I have a choice in this. I can keep doing what he says or I can stop doing it. And and there's just such a temptation to blame him. Such a temptation to stop doing what he wants us to do. Such a temptation just, you know, to to be so disappointed, so hurt. We kind of harden our heart and go another direction. I've been there. I've, I've been there. And if you're there now, man, if I, if I can encourage you, it, it doesn't shorten the storm, it prolongs it. It doesn't make the outcome better. It, it, it makes you not grow in a place where you could have. And if you're not exempt, you, you go through tests again because there's a work sometimes that God's doing in you. And our kids, when they leave our home, they have to be ready for those moments when things didn't go the way you know and even sometimes a mistake we make as parents when our kids are little is that the things that are in their world because we have perspective sometimes their little hurts their little heartaches are so silly to us i've been there they're so silly to us because we realize how big life is but i think sometimes we miss an opportunity in those moments to even help them in that thing that does matter to them to learn how to walk through this with god to teach them how to do that. And so you keep doing what God says. Let's look at this last one and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now it's in the Old Testament. And so the best way I tell you to get there, like Psalms is kind of like right in the middle of the Bible. It's the longest book in the Bible. So if you get to Psalms, the next book over is Proverbs and then the book after that is Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says this. It says, two people are better off than one. Now, I know some of you, man, that upset your apple cart and your theology right there. You're like, I, I, I don't want a people. I just, I'm good. 
And so two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, ever say alone, is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know, whenever we are going through hardship, what's one of the first things a lot of times we're tempted to do? Well, first of all, we, we may quit doing what we know is right, but then the second thing is sometimes we want to isolate ourselves. We want to pull ourselves back. And we want to cut ourselves loose from everything that we were connected to. We want to cut ourselves loose from friendships that we have. We want to cut ourselves loose from th- places that we serve at or communities that we're a part of. We want to cut ourselves loose from church. You know, sometimes people go hide themselves. I- I've shared with you my story that when I was in my 20s, I went through clinical depression. It was deep depression. It was, it was a depression that didn't leave me. It was, it was with me from the moment I, I was awake until I went to bed. It was on me. And... and I began to pull myself away. I, I would get in a room and shut the blinds and do my best to go to bed as soon as I could and sleep as long as I could because it was the only place I found peace was when I was asleep. And I pulled back. And it was wild is, is that I was going to Bible school at the time. I was going to Bible school studying for ministry and I was in this season. It was, and as I shared with you before, I had no compassion for people before that were in depression. I thought they were just feeling sorry for themselves. Come on, snap out of it. Until I went through it myself. And, and so my, my instinctive thought, my default was to pull away and to hide myself in my own cave alone in the dark. And yet in class, God constantly set people around me. I didn't pick, I didn't even know them. They had been through the same thing that I was in. And, and it was in those people around me, not in being alone, not in hiding myself in my own private secret cave, but by being around them that hope was always presented to me. People were encouraged me. I had been, they were telling me, I've been there. This is what happened. It's not, you know, and they, they, they gave me hope, and they said, you're, you know, the, you're, we're going to help you. We're going to walk with you through this. And you know, our desire is to see God you know, lead you out of this. And I know all of us have different stories, I know that you know that that you know that you're you know what you deal with if you've dealt with in that area that you know that maybe your season's longer than mine has been and why is it I don't, I don't know. But I know the thing we have in common is that the thing that's not good for us is to find our own personal secret cave and hide there as often as we can. Because the enemy wants to isolate us because he realizes that's when we're the most vulnerable. Alone with my thoughts. Thoughts that would tell me that God's given up on me. That he's done with me. Thoughts that this is how my life is always going to be. It'll never be better. But I was amazed, man. I'd be sitting in class, and they had it set up at that time that they assigned who was sitting next to you, and I'd start talking with the individual. They'd start sharing their story with me, and as they were talking, I'd feel just this, just this presence of hope spring up as they shared their story, and I'm like, my gosh, they've been through this too. I didn't know Christians went through. I thought I was the only Christian that goes through what I'm going through now. And my hope did not, was not found in my aloneness. It was not found in my self-abandonment to everybody that loved me. It was found by the people that God put around me 
that the enemy would try to convince me and persuade me that I was better off, that they were better off without me. And if you're dealing with that right now, then not only are you better off without them, but they're better off without you. It's a lie from the enemy. Adam was alone and it wasn't good. And so we have to teach our kids when they're going through hard times, don't isolate yourself. Don't abandon your circle. Don't go hide in your own private cave and just sit in the darkness alone with your own thoughts for the enemy just whispers relentlessly without interruption because there's nobody there to give you hope. It's just the thoughts that he tells you. We have to teach our kids that when they're going through hard places, stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. Stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. Stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. Stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. Stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. Stay connected to the people that God has placed in your life. You do, we do our kids a great service if they know that this is just how life is sometimes. Sometimes we know why. Sometimes we see it coming. Sometimes it comes out of the clear blue and there's no explanation for it. It's just life and it's just part of being of a, part of a fallen world. But you're not alone. First of all, Jesus is with you. Psalm 23, David says this, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk through it. I don't get to go around it or go over it, or, but I, sometimes that things I have to go through. He said, I'll fear no evil. Why is that? Because you're with me. Because you're with me. But then there's people that he's put in our life that it's, you know, that two are better than one and three, you know, that cord can't be broken. And so we teach our kids that when they're going through hard places, and they will. And I realize this, and it's kind of a, it, you know, it, it's kind of a, kind of a, a thought that it, it's just kind of painfully real, and that is, is that I love being my own kids and uh, my, you know, my family. I, I love being a part of their life and having access to the world. But I realize this that in all likelihood that there'll be a day where physically I'm not here and they won't have me. And they, they're good. My, you know, they, they're good. They're smart. They're working. All, I mean, all that kind of stuff. But there is just something about having that. But I want them to know that even when I'm not here, there are people in your circle in your life that will love you, that will be a part, and to keep doing the word, even when things happen, you may not fully understand, why am I going through this? But I'm going to continue to trust Jesus by doing what he said. And I'm not going to find my own secret cave and just hide in there and wait for the world to stop. Because he has more for me to do. And we teach our kids that. And they won't be, life will not be painless for them. It won't be problemless for them. But when the floods come and breaks upon their house, that their life still stands, not because they didn't go through a storm, but because going through a storm, they'd learned to keep doing what Jesus says and to keep the people in their life that love God a part of their circle and not to hide themselves in their own private cave that the devil's convinced them they're better off in. And we teach our kids that. I want you to, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I want us just to spend a minute with God, and, and you could be in here right now. Man, everything I've talked about could be you right now. You're in one of those seasons, and, 
you're just, you know, you're disappointed. Maybe you're, you know, you're frustrated. You don't know what's going on. Maybe you're disappointed with God and the devil's convinced you that he's the problem. And my hope is, is that the Holy Spirit will just whisper to your heart the reality of, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. And maybe you've pulled back and withdrawn and yet the Holy Spirit is nudging you forward. Calling you out of the cave that you've been hiding in. Or maybe it's not you, maybe it's your kids. And you're praying like, Lord, help me, give me wisdom on this situation. I, I don't want to enable them, but I'm not called to abandon them either. What do I do in this moment? How do I, how do I help them? The Holy Spirit will help you. He, he knows things that you don't know. And Jesus, this is, a, this is a wild truth to me, but he loves, he loves my kids more than I do, which says a lot because I love them. But he'll help you. So it could be about you, then pray right now. Take this moment just there with God and just talk to him about your situation. It could be about your kids. And just trying to figure out wisdom and direction. Talk to him about that. He'll help you. But let's just spend a moment with God.